Hi, and welcome back to Elevator Talk with Michelle. For the time that is ours to share, I want to talk about the entire Halloween story explained. I've decided to make my podcast for the month of October all about the horror genre since it is the season of Halloween. So let's just jump right on into it. John Carpenter only had $300,000 to work with when he made Halloween in 1978. The film relied heavily on cost-saving tricks, including costume designers who hit up the local department stores for cheap clothing, and they used an old William Shatner mask to craft the villain's persona. So in case you all didn't know, the white mask that you see on Michael Myers, that is actually a cast of William Shatner. Most people didn't know that, but that, that's where that comes from. In other words, expectations were low and the film's producers hoped for little more than to break even. In the end, Halloween would become a great success for Carpenter and he'd be credited with popularizing the modern slasher. The film gave birth to a huge horror fr franchise, one that now consists of multiple sequels, reboots, and remakes. But the story itself, the one that started with an escaped killer stalking a teenage babysitter on Halloween night, has had so many twists and turns over the years they're trying to sort out more than four decades of Michael Myers can be a little confusing. So don't worry about that. From the first night of terror to Michael's bloody return, here is the entire Halloween story explained. Now, let me just say this. I'm only talking about the original franchise. I'm not going to be talking about the Rob Zombie reboots because as you know, they're two different things. Well, it's the same storyline, essentially, but they're two different things. So I'm not talking about the Rob Zombie reboots. I'm only talking about the original franchise. 1978, a monster is born on Halloween night. Technically, Halloween begins its story on Halloween night in Haddonfield, Illinois in 1963. A teenage teenager by the name of Judith Myers is supposed to be babysitting her brother, Michael, but instead she's fooling around with her boyfriend and she's not paying attention to Michael. And so he decides that he's going to spend the evening engaging in witchcraft stuff. So after slaughtering his sister, his stepdad and his sister's boyfriend, he's institutionalized at the Smith Grove Sanitarium. Let me put a pin in there right quick. The original franchise, I don't believe, shows us where Michael Myers kills the his stepfather. I know in the, in the Rob Zombie reboot it does. That's the only reason why I mentioned that. But essentially it was his sister because he wanted to go trick-or-treating and she didn't want to take him. She wanted to fool around with her boyfriend and his stepfather, as we see in the Rob Zombie movies, was just really, uh, forgive me for saying this y'all, shitty towards him. I mean, he treated him like crap. Let's just keep it all the way real. So he decided, hey, I'm getting rid of them. And we see that his mom is the only one that's just really nice to him and treats him like a human being. So let's jump back in. He's inst so after he kills all these people, he's institutionalized at the Smith Grove Sanitarium where his psychiatrist, Dr. Sam Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, has become convinced 
that Michael is pure evil and should never be allowed back into the world. And he says that about Michael throughout the franchise. Unfortunately, Dr. Loomis and the residents of Haddonfield, Michael escapes for, I'm sorry, unfortunately for Dr. Loomis and the residents of Haddonfield, Michael escapes in 1978 and heads back to his hometown looking to pick up right where he left off in 1963, but not without first making a quick pick stop at the local cemetery to grab his sister's tombstone. When he gets home, he finds his other sister, Lori Strode, who was played by Jamie Lee Curtis, hanging around. So of course he decides to make her and her friends his next target. For the rest of the night, Michael stalks and kills Lori's friends one by one. He even sets up a nice memorial scene with his sister's old tombstone at one point. But Lori is stronger than Michael gives her credit for, and she manages to fend him off long enough to allow Dr. Loomis to arrive on the scene and shoot him six times, knocking him off of a balcony and onto the ground below. Does he die? Please, we've got a whole bunch of movies left to talk about. 1978. Family Ties and Halloween 2. Halloween 2 picks up right where Halloween left off. Lori has been taken to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, presumably to be treated for shock, but also for a hand injury that somehow requires her to remain bedridden. Michael survived his fall from the balcony and he's followed Lori to the hospital because he's not one to let his victims get away. It's also discovered that Lori is surprised his younger sister and Michael is even bigger possibly being kept alive because of a Samhanian curse I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that correct now let me just go back just for a few minutes to unpack something and I believe it's the Rob Zombie reboot we see Michael who, who was a kid at the time and we see his mom who has a baby that she's holding on her hip. Most of the time that's when you see the mom, you see the baby, right? Well, I later found out that that baby was Laurie Strode when she was a kid. So remember, Michael killed his older sister, Judith, and he had a baby sister. And so as time goes on, he knows that he had a baby sister, of course, because he was older than her. So that's why he's gone back to to try to get rid of her. Because a lot of people, I guess, didn't make that connection. If you look at the original franchise, I don't think it's really put out there for us to see. But in the Rob Zombie reboot, that's how I figured out We'll put all of that, that that puzzle together. So Michael wanders through the hospital in search of Lori. Kill, oh, and let me, let me put a pin right there. The reason why I think most people did not make the connection that they were brother and sister is because Lori's mom kills herself. She's just so distraught about her son and she kills herself. Well, she's got this little baby and another family adopted Lori and changed her last name to Strode. I think that's another reason why a lot of people did not make the connection that she and Michael are brother and sister because after all, his name is Michael Myers and her name is Lori Strode. At one time, it was Lori Myers. So now let's move on. Michael wanders through the hospital in search of Lori, killing anyone and everyone that dares to get into his path while Dr. Loomis starts his inevitable descent into madness, trying to convince anyone 
that's willing to listen to him that Michael's evil mortality is real. He's ordered back to Smith's, Smith's Grove, but he returns to Haddonfield in time to face Michael once more, a confrontation that ends with Michael stabbing him in the stomach and Dr. Loomis setting up the hospital to explode. Lori gets out in time, but Michael and Dr. Loomis are trapped inside when the building goes up in flames. 1992, a killer Halloween makes an ancient Celtic ritual. So Michael Myers takes a back seat for a few years after the hospital explosion, which should have killed him, but it definitely did not. Halloween three, season of the witch takes place in Northern California a few days prior to the holiday. A man clutching a jack-o'-lantern mask is mysteriously murdered by a group of, of, of other people a well-dressed man, Dan Chalice, played by Tom Atkins, was the doctor in charge of the masked man's care, so he takes it upon himself to try to solve his murder. He traces the crime all the way back to Silver Shamrock novelties and a man named Connell Cochran, played by Dan O'Hillary, who somehow managed to steal a piece of Stonehenge, which he plans to use as part of a sacrifice involving children and his trio of Halloween masks. The goal here is to reclaim the Samhanian holiday for witches, but Dan stops Cochran's plan for the most part. There are robots, killer bugs, and the possibility of a whole lot of death of, of children that die in the end. One serious cliffhanger, but again, no Michael Myers. Now, here's the deal. In case you don't already know, Michael Myers was not in Halloween 3 season of The Witch. And so that's why I actually was not even gonna talk about Halloween 3 at all because Michael Myers does not appear in there because it had nothing to do with him. It was about this mask. And supposedly at midnight, this mask, the, the children wearing this mask, it was supposed to be stuck to their faces forever. And I actually forget why what brought all of that on? I'd have to go back and watch. I think I've only watched that movie once, maybe twice, and that was it. Just because I didn't find it very interesting at all. And again, it's because Michael Myers wasn't in it. 1988, the saga of Laurie Strode's daughter. So a decade has passed since the last time we saw Michael Myers. As it turns out, he's been in a coma since the hospital explosion, but he's awakened just in time to hunt his niece, Jamie, played by Danielle Harris on Halloween. Jamie, as it happens, is the seven-year-old daughter of Lori. She's currently living with a family known as the Carruthers, but her true lineage is no secret, and she's bullied by her peers in school. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, is a pretty straightforward slasher flick in that the bulk of the film is made up of Michael Myers killing a bunch of poorly developed characters by digging his thumb into an ambulance driver's forehead or throwing an electrician into a transformer that controls the power for the entire town. Now let me just stop and unpack that just for a second. Can you imagine the strength that it would take for someone to take their thumb and just pressing it into your forehead, as I'm doing right now. You all can't see me, but that's what I'm doing right now. And actually punching a hole 
in somebody's forehead just by pressing on it. That's some powerful strength right there, but I digress. But eventually Dr. Loomis returns because he somehow managed to survive that hospital explosion, explosion and as so did Michael. And he helps Jamie defeat her uncle with the help of a, of a town lynch mob. Sadly, it seems as though psychopathy runs in the family and even after Michael falls through a mine shaft, Jamie is left traumatized to the point that she tries to kill her foster mother with a pair of scissors. 1989, the telepathic family link. So the weird connection between Jamie and her uncle is further explained in Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, which picks up immediately after return after the return of Michael Myers. So Michael wounded, he's wounded, I'm sorry, from the attempt on his life in the previous film, comes across a man living in a cave before he passes out for an entire year, only to wake up on Halloween Eve, 1989, in the care of the, the cave-dwelling man. He immediately kills him. Now, I won't say immediately because I think, I can't remember, because I know I saw that movie, but I think he fed Michael and all that other good stuff. So he, it wasn't really immediately, but he ends up killing the man and sets the course for his niece, who's been living as a mute at the Haddonfield Children's Clinic since the last Michael incident. Now, though it's clear that Jamie and Michael are connected on a deeper level than just blood, the two are psychologically paired somehow. So everything that Michael does from here on out, Jamie can actually see it. So after his killing spree, Jamie tries to connect with him emotionally, but Michael Myers isn't interested in anything, in anything other than murder. And Dr. Loomis tries to come into the rescue, but he's taken out by a stroke of all things. Now, there's no hero here, just a random set of circumstances that lead to Michael's arrest. In the end though, a strange man in black who's been following Michael for the entire film comes to the police station to retrieve him. 1995, Cults and the Curse of Thorn. As it happens, the man in, in black who showed up in The Revenge of Michael Myers is the leader of a druid cult that has some sort of connection to Michael on account of a mark that the killer has on the inside of his wrists. Turns out it's indicative of the Curse of Thorn, which is what's responsible for both Michael's immortality and his insatiable desire to kill his living family members. Six years after the events of the previous film, Halloween 6, the Curse of Michael Myers finds that Jamie, who is now played by J.C. Brandy, has delivered a baby in the captivity of the cult. And if you're doing the math, Yes, Jamie is a 14-year-old mother who on top of having just had a baby that the cult takes great interest in must also try and outrun her uncle and escape the cult's clutches. She doesn't and Michael impales her on a piece of farm equipment. The rest of the film shifts focus to Tommy Doyle, played by Paul Rudd in his big screen debut. The young boy that Laurie Strode used to babysit, he's obsessed with the Curse of Thorn and he winds up actually being one of its carriers, but he wants to be a good guy, which he does, and he helps Dr. Loomis take Michael down. 
1998, the first Halloween reset. So two, two decades after the original Halloween, Laurie Strode made her return to the franchise with Halloween H, uh, H2O 20 years later. The beauty of this film is that it gets back to basics, effectively wiping out everything that's happened post Halloween 2. Michael Myers is still family, but Lori is alive, having faked her death, and she's working as a headmistress for her son John's private boarding school, and her son is played by Josh Hartnett in Summer Glen, California. Michael reappears 20 years after that hospital explosion and manages to track Lori down via an old file that one of Dr. Loomis's colleagues had on hand. In spite of her overprotective nature, Lori can't protect John and his friends from Michael's wrath. And on Halloween night, the masked killer stalks and murders pretty much everyone at the school before Lori can subdue him with uh, a barrage of bullets. She doesn't stop there though. Mm -mm. She also hijacks the coroner's van with Michael's body, sends the slasher through the windshield, pins him to a fence, and then takes an ax to his head. After, so all these years later, Lori has finally gotten her revenge except for one tiny detail. Mm. 2001, Michael Myers stars in an internet reality show. So as it turns out, the man that Lori decapitated in, in Halloween H2O wasn't actually Michael. Instead, it was the paramedic who had a crushed larynx that Michael had tricked her into thinking was him. So three years later in Halloween Resurrection, Lori is nearly comatose, or so the hospital staff assumes, biding her some time at Grace Anderson's sanitarium and waiting for the final showdown with her older brother. She gets it, but things don't go as planned. Having accidentally killed an innocent man has really gotten to her. So instead of taking her shot, Lori winds up with the knife in her back before she plummets off the roof. This is where things sort of go off the rails. So from Grace Anderson, we head to the old Myers house where a group of college kids have agreed to star in a sort of investigative web series headed up by Nora, who is played by Tyra Banks, and Freddie, played by Buster Rhymes. Michael follows the group into the house and proceeds to kill each hopeful internet star all in front of a live audience, mind you, who assumes for a good part of the night that everything happening has been set up by Nora and Freddie. When the Myers house is accidentally set ablaze, Michael's trapped inside and he dies. But we all know how that actually plays out, right? 2018, the big Halloween reset. So you may have thought Laurie Strode was out for good, but thankfully 2018's Halloween made the decision to backtrack to everything after the 1978 original, which means that this time there's no sibling drama, no teenage son, and most importantly, Lori is very much alive. Although her daughter, Karen, played by Judy Greer, is pretty convinced that she's clinically insane. Being raised by the slasher movie equivalent of a doomsday prepper will do that to you. Michael has been locked up at the Smith's Grove Sanitarium for 40 years at this point. But after a pair of investigative reporters come to try and interview him, he decides four decades is long enough being behind bars and sets out for a final face-off 
with the babysitter that got away. So meanwhile, Lori has spent her life preparing for the day she meet Michael again, which means she's been hoarding a lot of ammunition, a lot of hatred, and just a lot of pent up determination. So Lori's granddaughter, Allison, played by Andy Matinchak, was wants a relationship with her but Karen is reluctant to let that happen. Everything changes though when Michael returns and Lori, Karen, and Allison team up to take him down. The entire thing is somewhere between a sequel and a homage to the original. There's even Michael's psychiatric doctor, Sarton, played by Halleck. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna mess up his last name, Billinger, who feels a lot like Dr. Loomis in a lot of ways, except for the part where he's actually the one responsible for Michael's escape because he's been obsessed with him for his entire career. So y'all didn't see that happening, or y'all didn't see that coming, I should say. Eventually, the three women defeat Michael with the power of fire and firearms, but we also know there's no stopping this cycle slasher. So you guys, I hope that gave you a little bit of insight to the whole Halloween movie and just kind of getting you up to speed with who Michael is, why he is, and why he does what he does. But of course, y'all know the story's not over because there is another movie set to come out later on this month and another movie yet still to come out next year, which I need you all to make sure you are listening to all of the podcasts for the month of October, because I'm going to be talking about, at least for the next couple of weeks, about the Halloween series. I'll talk a little bit about the Friday the 13th series, and then just a small portion about Freddy Krueger, just giving you all some of his backstory. I believe it's the last Saturday in the month. So I, again, I decided to dedicate the whole month of October to talking about these scary movies because it is the month of Halloween. So I hope that my sharing that with you all gave you some knowledge that you didn't already have. A lot of it I've known because I've followed this franchise since the very beginning. And other than Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, again, like I said, the Michael Myers is not in that movie. So if that's ever a question that you're asked and, and someone says, name a Halloween movie that Michael Myers was not in, always say Halloween 3 because he was not in that one. But all the other ones I've seen numerous times. So a lot of this I knew, but some of it I just did not know. And so this was great even for me. So that's it, you guys. That's all I have. Please make sure you tune in next week. I'm so excited. Can't wait to share with you all again. Please be sure to subscribe and support my podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. And you can do so for as little as 99 cents per month. That is it because this allows me to keep doing what I do. If this is your first time listening to one of my podcasts, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad to have you here. If this is not your first rodeo, welcome back. Missed you guys. So glad to have you back. You all go out there, have an amazing day and an amazing month on purpose. You know the drill, you know my spiel. I love each and every one of you to the moon and back and there's nothing and I mean absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Go out there and be great because great is calling you and great is calling me. Until next week, take, take care.